0: You guys are so factored into the assumption of a future that you waste the now. I don't have that option. I don't have that option.
1: Can you repeat that? So fixated in the promise of a future?
0: Yeah, at your age, you are so Um, almost brainwashed by the notion of a longish future that you waste the now. It's like putting off until tomorrow what you don't feel like doing today. Um, Deferring. um, Partially because, oh, well, maybe it will be a better time to do it. Well, maybe it won't mary when mary had a little lamb the neighbors were surprised but when Old mcdonald had a farm they couldn't believe their eyes <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's one way to tell i haven't i've haven't <laughs> heard
1: that version before is that fine then the way we've got it do i need a fine yeah. like you you are be safer
2: yeah i guess the closer the, the, better. Closer the better
1: i'll just do Good. that up mm-hmm. to you all right cool cool welcome welcome to the welcome to the podcast everyone we've got Gilly and Gilly has been referenced before yes uh, in person and on the podcast many of the people who might listen to this and uh, I don't know this is probably the first interview i have actually done on the this podcast <laughs> yeah we actually. haven't it's been it us only it only took about 200 and something episodes until the first interview so it should feel special
0: I feel very special <laughs> <laughs> luke and joey it's marvelous of you and it's only taken us what two and a half days to get this set <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there's, there's, there's hey.
1: lots of recording you've done devices. very well uh, thank I mean, you
0: I'm so we've got so much
1: cable that's running across my back floor <laughs> hey. there is no way anything we say today will surpass the achievement of setting this up uh-huh. that's but true. we will often speak prompt. for yourself joe <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is that's what we call the undersell That's the undersell. The undersell. Yes. Under promise and over deliver. Under promise, over deliver. That's my motto. Yeah, and thanks, Luke. Luke's always here. And um, so I'm very excited. We're both very excited. This is long overdue. Um, I don't know fully exactly everything we'll talk about, but that's, I guess, the best and only way we could begin something like this. Um, How to introduce to anyone cold or anyone returning, how to introduce Gilly is a very funny... uh, a very interesting challenge for me but I do remember uh, what I will say when we started doing constant student stuff and we had a a lovely group of it's still a lovely group of probably 40 or something 40-ish people within the 18 to 27 I think age range from all over the world and we did a lot of calls a lot of workshops and even then I always love learning from anyone else's experience old young um you know tall tall short <laughs> uh, all walks like everyone has a lot to offer anyone but i'm very very cautious and apprehensive um when it comes to especially impressionable young minds very cautious about um who who to often you know put in a role model light or, or you know shine um a lot of authority and influence on sometimes but uh, what i will say is that the only person we really constantly had in the in the calls who was outside of that age range was this guy right here so we had all these all these prepubescent young adults and then <laughs> and then uh and then <laughs> <laughs> these fresh young things Michaels. and then and then we had um, I think we got video and then we had me gilly always always in there and um, always uh, offering so much. Although oh, take...
0: wonderful Sunday nights, yeah, the Sunday nights. i to be honest, I had nothing else to do, so it was actually, <laughs> I was available. Sometimes <laughs> you're watching the cricket at the start. Uh, <laughs> the cricket was done. I normally apologise, but <laughs> no, no, I look forward to them, Joe. You did them so well.
1: We did, we did have, we did have yeah, a good time. That I'm was sure, special, and I'm sure we'll do more to come. Yeah. But you know, that's um, that's, I guess, how you currently sit in our minds you are one of the companions you're not on the other so there's no other side of the fence perhaps in in this stuff of I don't know discussing life and what's important is people just alongside you I think and that's I think that's the way it should be I think that's the the, if I look at the metaphor of a classroom I think the the ways it it tends to change over time from this idea of there's someone at the front with the answers and there's all these people looking up Expecting to be enriched, and it's becoming much more of a circular room. That makes sense, mm. and I think you have always very much led things that way. And when I say led, I don't know. There's a, that applies to a very broad range of things. Um, but just always the how it's felt with you. You know, this we had to do this here in your. We're in the back room of your house, the famous back room, where lots of conversations, great conversations, have happened. As in groups of people but also sometimes very importantly one on one and you've always been available for that for people like me, for people like Luke and a great many other people so we'll unpack a lot of that and uh, we'll hop all over the place and just unpack some of your thoughts and life's experience and then talk about some things there's a great many things we all find important but we'll unpack that but the starting point I have this, uh, one of our calls I think you would have been on it for constant student, and it was a very—it was funny. It was very—it was completely impromptu. I remember we didn't have something on that Sunday night, and and Louisa from Brazil had said, "Oh, so I'll see you uh, tomorrow night." And I said, "Oh, we don't have anything on." She's like, "Oh," I was like, "We can make something." She goes, "Okay," so we just—I <laughs> think Scott and I talked about some sort of question around aspiration versus um, appreciation, or yeah. So we had this impromptu call. And we're talking about that topic and I remember something you said and I've recorded so sometimes I have this recording but it's not public I recorded the call so I share it sometimes with people and I remember it's at 41 minutes and uh, I I think I throw to you to talk about just the reality of um, you know being at the other end of life (laughs) I'm gonna call it that and there's there's a line you said which was um, you people uh, are very factored in so factored into the concept of a future you neglect the now mm. I don't have that option mm. and I find that a very striking line and I wonder if you wouldn't mind starting there happy to on that thought
0: happy to um, well of course it, it underscores the central importance that crops up all the time of living in the now and uh, i'll come back to the difference in ages around that as well but you know so much of our conversation has been around a lot of life's challenges for particularly for young people and how the the anxiety the apprehension of the future all of that sort of stuff Figures so negatively in their lives it's such a great challenge for them and I think perhaps more so for your generations you know that 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 concern about you know stuff that's probably doesn't happen I always quote the wonderful author Mark Twain who said on one occasion um, I experienced some really terrible things in my life some of which actually happened (laughs) but coming to the age difference you know I think and I joke about it because um, we can talk at some stage if you like about the fact that I now understand more clearly the notion that life doesn't end life doesn't end life may change in what it actually means, but I don't anymore belong in, believe in life after death because I don't see death as what we've been raised to believe about it. But certainly as you get older, you do become more conscious of not just how many years you may have left, but how many useful years you may have left. And that raises interesting questions about useful. And it's where you guys come in because, you know, you can talk in a way that, yeah, I could let my ego run away with that, you know, it's valuable to you to hear what I've got to say. And in some ways it's important and all of that sort of stuff. But guys, what you give to me is great. I have a reason for doing this because it gives me so much internal joy to spend time with um, these opportunities, to share my experience with people who really understand the value of other people's experiences. Not just those of us who are very old, but as you said, Joey, the diversity point. You know, diversity is just so crucial. Diversity is what nature is all about. And age diversity is one thing, you know, young and old, but we've got racial diversity. We've got religious, gender, you know, sexual preference, all of those diversities. And everybody is individually gifted and they all come with different stuff to share. I don't care whether you're 25 or 75. Once you start picking up on diverse experience, and particularly if you're like me and you've got an overdose of curiosity, which isn't illegal, um, we can then sort of, no matter what age you are, there's all of this new stuff that keeps exposing itself to you. And you think to yourself, gee, why did I get to 75 and think about that for the first time? Answer, I hadn't met these guys before. You know, these are some new thoughts would have been delivered to me how good is that you know I always say if you're patient the really good stuff finds you we don't go out looking for it and patient with you guys you come up with the most amazing stuff absolutely amazing stuff now that's long-winded but I hope somewhere in the middle of all that, I've may have got close to answering your questions well,
1: well, do you want to follow it, up it question? wasn't really a was question it? was it but it was a it was a thought yeah I'll, I'll throw to you because I want to hear from you Um were you, you were on that call do you remember what I'm talking about
2: no the one i remember is the public speaking call <laughs>
1: oh okay we can go into that too no, no. but that i, I don't remember yeah, that, that thought be... of this would be very good so you know you and i are currently 28 yes so it's a it's an awkward the 20s is a very awkward stage in this generation it's not as much default uh so this is very it's very interesting the experience i'm not of, sure there'll be one that's not Oh, uh, mm. never, but but just in a different way. For I'm sure. wondering a lot about that. At the oh, moment. F- for sure. Anyway, let me not interrupt you. No, no, it's always interrupt me, please. But uh, just in, it's a, it's it's very different. There's, there's so many different things you can do. Mm. The breadth of options seems so. The concept of the future and the anxiety, we're on the other side of the middle chapter of life, mm. in theory, right? In theory, and. Yeah. I'd yeah. throw you to, to reflect yeah. on that experience f- for yourself and people in our position, and then the contrast to.
2: It's interesting. You can't you can't waste feels like you can't waste it. I feel like when I started, I was kind of on the complete opposite end of that. So you start off with self help and things like that, which teach you. Self help's a bit of a general, yeah. Um, yeah. Broad. too much of a broad topic, but essentially. When I was younger for example I was always looking in you know 10 year call it 10 year horizons what am I going to achieve um, you know where am I going what am I doing with my career all those sorts of things and only probably only now have I started to think a little bit more in the now but it's difficult it's difficult um, but yeah i don't know where I'm why is it difficult for you luke to live in the
0: now i'm not i'm not questioning you yeah. as sort of falling short in some way but yeah. you know when when if you try to do that at times what is it about living in the now that sort of confronts you most difficultly
2: i think it's i think a lot of it is the ego just trying to run away with certain things and trying to you know it's almost like you get a little bit afraid of being too present sometimes or for me it's been a lot of conditioning from when I was younger yep. and I feel like I'm undoing a lot of that at the moment so I don't know it's just been a it's just been a long process to try and find a bit more of a center hmm.
1: I'd love to jump in there
2: yeah. thanks for sharing that yeah
1: I'm gonna take this for a second back to when my mum The first time I ever heard of Eckhart Tolle Mm, was when my mum was reading it, and it was at a time when I just thought it was real, um, tree hugging kind of (laughs) BS. When someone said, said living in the now, yep, uh, who's like, well, sounds a bit, um, very woo. -woo. I'd love to bring it down to what that actually probably looks and feels like to the extent can be aware of it, Mm. and for me, go go back to the Mark Twain quote Mm -hmm. that you shared there's endless anxiety about things that never happen
3: yeah
1: Uh, we sometimes joke about do we need to earn more money for our families that we don't yet have (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) for example yeah (laughs) the the, the prospective future family that who knows when that comes and what the phone things like that I just want to make it really vivid and give examples of where Uh, I I talk to so many people who are very unhappy in the current line of work or their current studying pathway. This is not an anti-university comment, Um, but this is a lot of the excuse for putting up with something miserable now is because of a promise of something that is to come. And that looks like a lot of different things for people. It looks like there's a buzzword financial freedom of this point where from then on, perpetually there is no more financial anxiety to come i have totally um because of an excess of wealth or an autom- automation of income i've completely forever taken away that which is financial stress and that's i can
0: it. tick that off i've I'll solved that. that
1: problem i will no longer have to because this is the bane of my existence oh, oh, there oh. is feeling like you've achieved enough yeah there is uh, i have a certain purpose that is only realized by materializing something in the external world that others can see i have grown a business mm-hmm. i have done a ted talk i've written a prolific book i have become a titan of my industry um i've gotten a certain promotion level um there are I've things got, I've got like a that.
0: worldwide reputation
1: i've got a worldwide reputation um so these are all things i would just want to ground that because it's very easy for people to go here's, here's a couple of woo-woo blokes going off. Uh, these i think are the specifics and these are most of the things we would talk about that take you out of For now um, seem very practical that's a very interesting word practical oh. very normal mm-hmm. very good um probably the sort of things that school seems to really be shaping you toward and and often that you know i did a talk at um uh riverview my old school our old school mm. where your grand some of your grandchildren go and uh, or have gone and uh I was very it was very honoured. It's a very you know it's just a one-year group but they said you're not the sort of person that's normally speaking here mm. there's a lot of ceos and, and lawyers michael's a lawyer for anyone who needs context for context michael's a lawyer (laughs) has had a a pretty substantial (laughs) law career yeah Uh, (laughs) um for context and that that is very important context so you know that was interesting and um uh because that's that's often this is a lay of society that probably needs to be uh um explored a bit more i think there's a lot of normalization of that, which can take you out of mm. the now. And um, so, um, what's the now? And you got uh, you guys. Well, invite you to wel- uh, invite you to help me reflect on what it looks like. Mm-hmm. It's that. To be honest, if I give you the best example, I am sitting here with two people. I respect admirably one who's hungry. (laughs) (laughs) whose tummy just rumbled. Um, The the stomach's not living in the now, you Uh, see. (laughs) The stomach is looking at what's coming ahead. It's misbehaving. When we, yeah. Um, But, you know, it's a beautiful day. Yep. The sun is shining. Um, My mind is not anywhere else. I'm not worried about anything. Mm. There's plenty of things I could worry about. And the same goes, the same is true for you, Right. And the same is true for you even though you have what most people would call the financial freedom and everything else you there's still things you could be justified in, in worrying about right mm-hmm. now and maybe you are and that's mm-hmm. okay if you are <laughs> thank you and, and okay if you are and okay if I am but obviously when we're talking and having conversation it's very hard for the mind uh, to wander and we can just enjoy what we are doing mm. and I get great joy out of what we're doing right now and that is the beauty that you always we always have now and it's this is it looks it, it's simple when you take out the fact that all the wires going everywhere <laughs> <laughs> yeah apart from that it's super simple but normally that is the simple joy of the present moment that's always available the company of the people around you coffee do not cost much this morning you, you know um this is yeah, not this is not, this is not this is not Pleasure. Tip, <laughs> did <cost> nothing <laughs> it Cost nothing. Um, that I don't know. I just want to try and give it context because I remember a younger version of me would have gone, "This is not a relatable conversation we're talking about." And so this is what you can't wait. Like the maybe maybe it is easier for people who are older in the in the linear set, in the in the obvious sense um, not to waste those simple moments. Well maybe. I,
0: I I really wish that was universally true. But um I think every generation is challenged by that same issue. Um and yeah, you know, even the word retirement is just a <laughs> terrible expression for so many people of sort of my age and maybe 10 or 15 years younger who, you know, wonder if it means their total loss of relevance from that point onwards, you know. I, I try to tell some of my colleagues, actually, you know, there is life after being a partner in a law firm. may come <laughs> as a surprise to you, it may come as a big surprise, but there can be a really good life when you cease being a partner in a law firm. But, you know, just be open to it. Just be open to sort of the next phase. Joey, it's, it's a great, you know, I could be a real smart aleck and say, um, there's one overwhelmingly convincing reason for living in the present. You know what it is? You can't live anywhere else. <laughs> <laughs> right?
1: But you can try. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but you can let
0: your mind sort of take over your common sense and your rationality and force you to be so preoccupied with stuff that may never happen that what you actually do is surrender to it your present lived life opportunity. It goes. And if you, you know, whether you call them the dark spaces or the ego or the devil or whatever it is, the more that that captures your present moment, the less life you have to live mm-hmm. because you're surrendering all the stuff that you could be doing now and loving every minute of it. And it's that, and of course, anxiety can only ever be about the future. Yep. Right? Can only ever be. But it does take, you know, and we talk about it all the time over the years that we've known each other, the, you know, the, the role of um, a, a lack of awareness and particularly a lack of self-awareness. If we can only sort of get ourselves to the point where we can understand what's going on with ourselves, we can actually appreciate what's happening with and to us. That's the starting point for it all. That's where we start to readjust. That's where we start to make the choices. I choose not to be distracted by crap that may never happen. And ultimately, I can almost say today, it's not important. It's just not important. Why do I convince myself that it's important? Why do I let the ego convince me that it's so important I'm actually giving away for nothing my present life?
2: It's very convincing sometimes. It is, Luke.
0: (laughs) Can you tell us a story about it?
2: (laughs) We were talking about this last night. He sent me
1: a message about, is this what? The the uh, constant uh, dialogue.
2: Yeah. Just the... I'd say I'm getting... (laughs) Excuse me. More of an appreciation for what you're talking about, Michael. But it's at times it it's, depends on what's going on in your life at that current time. I had totally. I had something come up at work, um, which made me question certain things, and then it just sets off like a spiral. Yeah. And then. Did you know it was happening? I did. Okay. But well done. It, it compel it compels you. Yep. To react. Yep. Um But. I think I'm getting better at sort of becoming aware which is which is good. And I did have a question for you Michael. When... If you think you're getting
0: better, you are getting better. Okay. Because you're appreciate. And I might just say for the record, uh, for the record, we're not psychiatrists. We're not psychologists. <laughs> We've just got various experiences of life. Yes. That's all. Yeah. And we just share those things. And you know, there may be experts in these fields who have different things to say and i appreciate all of that but i think it's this sharing in companionship having developed trusting relationships as we always say that's just so valuable hmm. it, it it is a bit like therapy certainly a bit like therapy for me it's very reassuring for me to hear you guys speak the way you do it's marvelous it helps me an awful lot. anyway you were gonna. You got a question for me. Look.
2: Say, I was gonna say, what calmed me down a little bit was just surrendering to it yes. in a way, and just not. Because sometimes you can think you're very aware, but even in doing that, you're just trying to be like, I'm aware now, so I shouldn't be, I shouldn't be struggling. <laughs> How's like this, this. happen? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm so How's aware. <laughs> and then that's the other side of things <laughs> coming into it. But if you, <laughs> I think I was. It helped a lot messaging you, for example, yeah. about how crazy some some of the thoughts start yeah going. Uh, we need a vent yeah you we need which have is, those
1: people you can trust
2: which is great but then yeah. you just, just kind of just try and let it go and laugh and laugh yeah a laugh. of the stupid. F's going on here <laughs> eh?
0: this is just ridiculous
2: well I, I guess my question was when can you remember a time when you started to become a bit more aware at all or snuck up
0: There was no epiphany. There was no sort of lightning bolt or anything like that. It was just slowly, progressively. um, um, There were some events in my early 30s when I had particular professional roles Mm -hmm. where I began to appreciate that there's an awful lot you can't control You've just got to be prepared, you know, in a sensible way to take Mm -hmm. some risks. And what happens, happens. You know, you can say to yourself, the world is not coming to an end. There is no um, capital punishment attachable to what I'm about (laughs) to possibly stuff up. Only, as I always say, only very special people get crucified. (laughs) So, you know, once you, Fingers crossed. once you put it back into some sort of context, it helps. The biggest problem, I think, at that stage for me was bloody reputation. Mm. You know, if I stuff this up, what are people going to think of me, right? Do I lose my reputation? Do they Do they think I'm the lesser as a leader of the profession or as a practising lawyer or a father or mm. husband or whatever it turns out to be? Mm. And, you know, ultimately you come gradually to be able to put that in its context as well. A lot of it, you know, you start to sort of understand the importance of forgiving yourself. Mm. Yeah, most people have forgiven us for things long before we forgive ourselves. Mm. You know, we can beat ourselves up for a long period of time, and it's not necessary, and it's not helpful. But how we learn that forgiveness stuff, I think, is is, um, pretty important in this as well. Mm. And it takes a lot of reassurance, doesn't it, to be able to, to understand that. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we share a friend who had a terribly traumatic event in his life when he was about 25 and uh, paid a very, very tough price for it. And mm. he's one of the most, I've only known him for a couple of years, but you know, he is one of, one of the great teachers for me of the challenge of forgiveness it's incredible mm. just in and it underscores just how it, difficult it is for human beings to, to be able to forgive and particularly you know most people when they talk about the challenge of forgiveness they talk about forgiving other people who've done nasty things to them yeah, 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 but yeah. you know mm. if you really want to get deep into it talk to people who are challenged to forgive themselves that's where it really strikes
1: home ain't that the truth Mm. i'd love to throw back yep to we talked a lot about the anxiety about things that might never happen but then there's also the flip side of that normally not unrelated to anxiety about things that will never happen is the hope and the planning for things you think will be better than what you have now um, but are probably unlikely to be that which is the easy examples are more of mm. X more money or the love of a love of a partner that is currently not present. power power <laughs> he's gone right to it <laughs> the, the P word yep and that is also I think the flip side of that That's in that the other common you know it's worrying about something in the future and therefore that takes you away but there's also the the oasis in the desert idea that from your hunger or thirst your mind conjures up something you know a, a reprieve from the misery in the desert and that that's that's what you've been searching in the in the desert for I want to acknowledge that because the, the thing I'd lo- I think would be very valuable if you could share on it and flip briefly to the, the journey of the, the kind of journey I'm very interested in that in the late stages of your particularly the full throttle law career and when you step down from partner yep if I understand it correctly I think you were in your early 60s if I'm not mistaken I can't remember exactly retired when I was 60 60 so you talk about that last chapter of that period and then what that transition was like because I think that is a very interesting anchor for people who are I don't know for everyone else really mm. well it I hadn't
0: actually thought about it much until when i was 55 in the partnership 55 years of age and that would have been in 2002 three
1: yeah 20, 20
0: years ago yeah um i was in a circumstance where uh, i was able to Um, start building up my superannuation fund for the first time. And being self-employed, of course, it's all your own sort of salary sacrifice type of stuff. And at 55, uh, that circumstance enabled me to think about, okay, if I built this up significantly over the next five years, at 60... I will probably be in a position all going well with the firm where I can make some choices and without really getting down to it in in precise detail I sort of spent a lot of time reflecting on the decades of life and you know roughly my generation the first couple of decades like zero to twenty that's like hanging around at home with the parents, largely being under their control and direction, doing what they said, going to school, teachers, much the same, doing what they said. Yeah, you know, Freedom was largely illusory. Yeah, you know, You're supposed to live in a democracy, but you spend most of your waking hours being told by other people what to do. And then towards the end of the first couple of decades and half the way into the third decade, you've got university, you're going through all of that stuff. um, And then you transition into your first employment, in my case, professional employment. Uh, Halfway through that, married. One year later, child, two years after that, second child. So in your 20s, for my generation, you've gone through university, You've started into a professional job, you end up as a partner, you're married, and you've got children on the way. And guess what else you've got? Any ideas? <laughs> no. Nothing? Career? Mortgage! mortgage? You yeah. got the mortgage! Yeah. Hooray! <laughs> mortgage,
2: the first person <laughs> to hand on it.
0: Marriage is the first version of handcuffs. (laughs) Sorry, I didn't mean that. (laughs) But certainly the second version is the mortgage. So you've then got your 20s and your 30s. As you're developing your career, you're paying off the mortgage. One modest house, poor house actually, becomes a modest house, becomes a flash house from a working class suburb To the lower north shore, overlooking the (laughs) bay, sort of business. Suddenly the kids are off to private schools. Growing up in the western suburbs, I had no idea that you could pay school fees which were far in excess of the first mortgage you had on the house. But you know, this this takes you through those twenties, thirties, forties. You know, you're getting more and more important legal work, you know, outside of the firm as such. With variety, you're taking on other roles in society or within the profession, or in my case, within the insurance industry. You're coming better known. You've got all the kids coming into the firm. You're mentoring them. You're helping them create their careers. So in your 20s, 30s and 40s, you're going through that process. Your children are coming out of school at the other end you know you're going through perhaps the most significant training experience of your whole life and that is raising teenagers <laughs> whatever you think you've done in life up to the time when your first child it's teenage years you'll realize just how inexperienced you are for the real challenges of life so this is just taking us through and you know You get to sort of the 50s and um, your kids are sort of moving out of home and they're starting their own lives, that sort of thing. Um, uh, You know, you're starting to have a bit more free time, but at the same time, there's a lot of pressure in the firm because you're a senior partner at that stage. And As you get towards 60, you know, the mortgage has been paid off, right? The kids' school fees have all been paid off. You've then had what I roughly refer to as all the school fees at once, which is a real wake-up call. you know what all the school fees are at once? Marriage. Marriage. Paying for your daughter's (laughs) wedding receptions. Three wedding receptions. Each one of them exceeded the total cost of their fees at Monte San D'Angelo for six years. So, <laughs> <laughs> so it's just all the stuff you sort of get behind you. This is really taking me out of the now. And, now. <laughs> <laughs> and then sort of at 55, here I was thinking to myself, okay, if i retire from and yeah bear in mind i was 23 when i joined the partnership <laughs> and i've never shifted jobs this is my fifty fifth year in the firm so um this is his 55th yeah yeah, yeah, yeah so right now, i yeah. i then get to the point where i'm thinking to myself at 55 you know the decade from 60 to 70 may be the first genuinely free decade where you can make all your own decisions. Yeah, spouse, loving spouse who gets consulted with all of this necessarily. But, and I might say there was illness that had cropped up before this, so that had its impact. But the reality is that if you have carried forward with you all sorts of stuff beyond your actual career, For my case, outside of the law. And you just sort of think about some of the things that have touched your life, that you've not been able to go and explore in more depth. And bluntly for me, one of them turned out to be teaching. Mm. That 60 to 70, with a bit of luck in terms of physical health, mental health, all of those sorts of things, you could be useful. And I thought, beyond 70, you're going to go downhill pretty quickly. You know, that'll, that'll be the end of it. You know, you'll, be, you'll be like on one of those great big slides at Coney Island at uh, Luna Park with those Hessian mats underneath you, and you're sort of up there as an <laughs> old guy thinking to yourself, oh, I'm terrified. Can I really sort of start this? because the last ride. Did, <laughs> the last big dip. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, um, but I'm happy to say now, halfway through the 70 to 80 bit, um, it's it's not too bad. It's bad. <laughs> I can I can sort of, re- but don't rush to it. Don't don't, don't don't speed it up. Sort of go at your gotcha. pace. But um, but that was the way it sort of. And of course, one of the great things that came to me as well was just broader reading, because you know one of the things you do. Lawyers trade in words, and words mean a lot of reading. So there is an the pleasure element. Isn't huge for me. It wasn't huge for me, um, but once I was away from the clients, um, I took to reading with uh, a great deal of enthusiasm very broadly spread. And a lot of the stuff we're talking about now, the awareness stuff, you know, I got fascinated by how the mind works, fascinated by philosophy, very fascinated by theology because of a, another aspect of who I am. But you know, science, history, biographies, reading about people and their stories. You know, I've. I think that the last thirteen years, fifteen years, the, I don't thirteen, The last fifteen years um, have really given me an opportunity with with reading. That um, I regret a bit. I didn't find a way to do it earlier on why you guys have probably heard me say i think if i had two little bits of advice i would give to youngsters it would be keep a journal and read a serious book once a month did you finish that book i gave you
2: i'm still i'm still on a novel at the moment oh god <laughs> god
0: it was a quickie you could have done that real fast i know I know. anyway that does that give you enough in answer to that question i'm sorry it took so long no absolutely it's yeah. just
1: interesting i think what the next chapter Uh, has looked like for you since then yeah that's really you know
0: and the chapter if i filled it in would be talking to you guys listening to you guys exploring with you guys pro bono teaching which has been sensational for me continuing until last year to play some ongoing significant roles with the law and the insurance industry And, um, you know, if I revert to the dimension of me, which is of faith and particularly the role that Jesus Christ plays in my life and my continuing to walk in some way with the Catholic Church, um, (laughs) Pope Francis for me is one of the great miracles of my lifetime. The, The guy is just amazing. And... I think many of the initiatives that he's taken, particularly against the background of that unbelievably horrific sexual abuse crisis and the stuff that's just inexplicable, unbelievable. Um, I have had an opportunity within the church and within my own parish to sort of play some roles around where it's all going and what's needed for humanity that... um, it's just got me on cloud nine. I just love every minute of it. And I love listening to people. Mm. And I particularly enjoys the wrong word, but I am particularly um, educated by people who are challenged by faith issues, who don't who sort of suspect that there is more to it than science sort of talks about but don't quite know what it is. I don't quite know what it is either.
2: And that's gonna gives, put my
0: hand off. <laughs> that gives me great joy. Yeah, the surprise stuff I think is fantastic. And I just with, wish both theologians and scientists could be equally brave in saying, don't really know. <laughs> don't really. We'll be sitting on our hands really? waiting for that <laughs> <Yeah>. one. <laughs> don't really know. Mm.
1: and if only we could do that if only we could do how simple a life would be for Absolutely. a great number of people
0: but while i'm not really knowing geez i know what it is to feel the benefits of love mm. right and the fact that i don't know a shitload of other stuff isn't going to deny me that that's that's the big windfall the big windfall right? <laughs> to feel what the love's like is that the Lion King, that song?
2: Can You Christian. Feel the Love Tonight? tonight yeah, um, Elton John.
0: Yep, there you go. Yep.
2: Yeah. I did have a question. It might be a difficult one to answer, but mm-hmm. we're speaking initially about awareness. How is your faith, Christian faith, played into broader awareness? How do they sort of mix in together?
0: Well, you see, Luke... Um, I would say for myself that the way I now understand the messages of Christ through scripture, and I'm conscious of the fact that these are other people who wrote down stories well after he was dead, but nevertheless, the key themes of those stories, and I willingly embrace the fact that they replicate in all sorts of other areas of existence including other faiths whether they're abrahamic faiths or not that those messages um, provide all the answers every one of them if only we were brave enough to say that or to accept that even if we can't accept that jesus christ was god think about the messages right just think about the beatitudes think about you know love others as you love yourself do unto others as you'd have them to do unto you the essential role of peace mm. yeah you know, what it means to be joyful which means understanding the value of surrendering everything accepting surrender that there is nothing so important to me that um i would cling to it and sacrifice joy in my life can't be right
2: it's a big one
0: it's a big one mm-hmm. and you know when we come back to things like the money and the power and all of that sort of stuff if it's not delivering joy and peace what's the point and you got one life it's like we quote it, don't we, all the time about our, our comedian mate, Jim Carrey. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Who said, I, and I couldn't believe it. when I went to an alpha course at the local Anglican church and they played this thing. Carrey saying, I really wish I could give everyone on the planet all the money and power that they really want. So they could understand it's not what they really need. Mm. Yeah. It's not what they really need.
2: Well, we had... um. You lent me the book, what's his oh, name? I've forgotten. Mm-hmm. Guy from Friends. Matthew, uh, yeah, Matthew Perry. Matthew Perry. Oh, you would like that one. Yeah. Right. A million, what you, you know who he name? is?
1: The no. Chandler from Friends.
2: Okay. The yeah. TV show Friends. Friends is a TV show, isn't it? Yeah. yeah.
0: I'm joking. I don't
2: he know. talks about similar things. Gonna, <laughs> <say>. <laughs> 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 he talks oh, no. about similar things. He references making a million dollars an episode Correct. and that he was completely miserable. because he had addiction there's a
1: striking striking
2: part of that
1: i don't Mm. know if you've got to it yet he sees charlie sheen in trouble on the news before he's gotten his breakthrough role in friends yeah and he's going who cares if he's caught in this scandal this sex thing and all that this was back then charlie sheen he really came back around um is in the the 90s and he's like who cares he's famous
3: yeah yeah
1: and he, he he's he didn't really have a a relationship with God, but he knelt down after watching that, and he said, "God, you can do anything you want to me, as long as you make me famous."
2: That's crazy. And that happened.
1: It's exactly what happened. Yeah. yeah. And he did it to himself. And you could not have more, yep, materially, yep, than he had. He mm. had, or that Jim Carrey mm. had, but. The message is still a very difficult one. You really can never actually. You can't be preached it, as the Jim Carrey quote says. No one can stand there and say it. No. If you're not choosing to live and experience it yourself, and that's what I've noticed. It's all the talking in the world is pointless. Correct. If you don't want to choose that, and that's what he did. You know, he's he's thinking how can fame if you've got fame what is the point why would you be worried who cares be in hmm. trouble whatever until he's learned I just I feel that that's the reality it, Na- nature will give you as much hurt as you need to learn the lesson and if you choose big one Joey. and if you choose <laughs> to continue you just keep giving it to you It's. um... (laughs) I think think you've hit hit one
2: of the nails.
0: (laughs) Well, you are getting close to another huge theme, and that is um, how do we know and appreciate stuff? And it's the the Mm -hmm. head, the heart, and the gut point that you know. um, Until we really understand both the concept of conversion of heart and what you can't fool your heart right it can't be fooled if you convert your heart to the point where you truly understand that sort of lesson then it becomes and I don't say it's an easy thing to do it becomes an easier thing to do I don't think you can really put all of that stuff in its context and be confident that you can keep it there unless you've truly had a conversion of heart. That's what Pope Francis says about, you know, climate change and caring for this planet. Hmm. It's not about the logic of the head. It's really understanding the interdependence, the interconnectedness of everything created. It's seeing ourselves in a context. And I think a part of what this challenge is, is the last 50 or 60 years of individual rights seeing ourselves as one-offs you know i can survive by myself give me enough money give me (laughs) enough power and authority give me a huge reputation Give me a house in 60 different locations. (laughs) Give me my own kitted out. That's all I'm asking for. You
1: can do anything to me. Uh, That's all I'm asking for. I'm not asking for too much.
0: Give me a new sort of good looking partner every month or two. It's, yeah, that's it.
1: A simple life. That's all I ask. Very simple
0: life. That's it. (laughs) (laughs)
1: That's
2: good.
0: But why is it, do you think? For your own generation—that um, you are so challenged about uh, how important things like money are—is it a? Com- has my generation sort of imposed it in some way? Is it the domination of the American-style capitalist system? Does social media and comparisons play a role? Is it your family expectations of what success means? What do you think it is?
2: It sounds like a bit of everything, but probably is. I don't know. There's a there's a weight, there's certainly a weight to it in terms of your identity. Um I think I don't Do you know. feel the weight? I feel the weight, yeah.
0: How does it impact on you, Luke?
2: well if anything goes wrong in that regard it certainly takes your life in a certain direction and you seem to worry about it quite a lot does it hurt you does it make you sad yes yeah yeah, yeah. but i think it's the worst when there's an overemphasis on chasing it hmm. and where that becomes the sole focus hmm. or that becomes such a center of life and you forget you can forget a lot of other things um but i don't know i think everyone's a bit different in the sense that it depends on up- upbringing and um how it's how that's played in your own childhood and stuff like that and various mm. life experiences but i feel there is always an expectation a self-imposed one <laughs> at times but partially self-imposed. partially self-imposed but yeah um yeah i don't know it's, it's a tricky one joey what
0: about you how would you respond to that because you were a brave boy weren't you your story is your story is somebody who wasn't sort of totally conned into the necessity to finish a university course
1: no i wasn't i'd be very I always acknowledge this because it annoys some people that I seem to come from a position of some privilege from my family background depends what you define we all do Hmm. well we
0: we live in first world Australia not
1: everyone sees it that way no Um, which is very interesting so I acknowledge that and then beyond that I toy with this idea these days of uh, in truth there's only one disease out there and it manifests in a thousand different heads Mm. including a lot of the physical illnesses Mm -hmm. Um, and it's beyond the question about money is never a question about money it's always a proxy for something else Mm -hmm. money as if you look at it with a psychological lens is a secondary conditioner they'd call it it is valuable because it is represents something else you could get with it and i always have this funny idea of call it the apocalypse test where if you had everyone was alive but all our systems kind of collapsed what still retains value and it's things that are much more intrinsic in nature this this is valuable but not because it's in a, a a well to do sydney suburb that people would love to get into cuz it's you know the property will go up over time it's valuable because it will protect you from the elements yep <laughs> and it goes back Shelter. to yeah and and the bitcoin in a in that sort of world as you <laughs> know <laughs> right um, as the as the funny extreme that's contemporary
0: so you're talking about the needs the basic needs
1: yeah i'm just talking about how it's a psychological mirror that's what it really is. And it's not it's never actually an issue about money. It's related to something else. It's right. never in a in a silo on its own. It's never in a vacuum. It's always attached and hitched to something else. And so there is a, a very funny layer of society now, especially with the digital revolution and the capacity to get more and more attention for more and more people perhaps, mm-hmm. is that it's very easy then to say, look at me I have uh, superseded the focus or need for money what I do now is not for money and I can prove it because blah but just because you don't want money doesn't mean you don't want power in another form right and you still have wants you still have wants you still have desires and the nature that's the nature of desire so there is a quote by I believe it's Mike Tyson boxer he says something to the effect of they want power when they don't know love
0: that came from mike tyson
1: mike tyson
0: jeez i would never have guessed that you wouldn't i thought his quote would have been gee you have got tasty ears <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's like would
3: you like a tiger <laughs> yes
0: <laughs>
3: that's wonderful yeah. that
1: is a quote and a half yep and the conversation around money bores me to some extent because it's masquerading what the real conversation is Mm. and that's a layer that's an that's a elaborate layer of this Mm self-deception and we're talking about you should do this you should do this because of the financial prospects it's part of the picture of course it is i live in the same world i live in the same world you people do don't worry but when that's the conversation we are so zoomed in to the picture that we're not looking at it in it's in its entirety yep and that feels like most people's experience of life in the context I've grown up in yep. and that is why the cliche of I went to help the poor people but they all seemed happier than we all are and rah-rah-rah but now I come home and I double down <laughs> and work overtime Absolutely. Uh, even after having shared that with everyone um, that's you know it's why it's because the, the nature of the simplicity you know having and I want to touch on that the journey of how we actually met you and Nepal and Nick and stuff like mm-hmm. that and we can go there at any point but it's not that I remember the people we met in that community and Nick knows them way better than I do it's not that the people in the community in Nepal wouldn't have liked to have uh, air conditioning or a private school for their kids or um, you know a, a bigger house but what I reflecting years later what I reflect back on when I look at them that they definitely had the desire for those things quite natural but when this is how I feel when the prospect of what it took to acquire more was presented to them so many of them are so much better than people in the West at realizing it's not a good deal absolutely It's like Warren Buffett on the golf course. I don't know if the story's true. But they go, bet you 20 bucks, I'll get it in a hole in whatever shots. And he goes, I'm not taking that bet. They go, why? You can afford it. He's like, I don't care. It's a bad bet. The cliche of, oh, the poor people are happier than we are, is old to me. Mm. And there's a lack of interest in going deeper. And when you go deeper, that's the next, that's the layer I'm at now. They wanted, they asked Nick for X and they asked Nick for Y, but a lot of them, oh, I don't want to, you know, or I've got enough now, Nick. I'm not working for you anymore, but I love you. And if you need help, I mean, I've got what I need. So what is it? What does the world look like when money is actually about necessity, not about a signal for who you are and your importance and your power? Mm. They are the people mm. I've met in the rural part of Nepal, not in Kathmandu, but the, who were, much more on the spectrum of money as a pure material like a pure like unemotional object just like maybe this microphone is it is useful to the extent it helps me record something but if there's a fire and i'm rushing to save my life i'm not rushing to grab this microphone especially because it's luke's one yeah (laughs) (laughs) um so where does the narrative and the pressure I can't compare our generation to others I haven't experienced it but when he sent me a passage from the Bible the other day Mm. that was written thousands of years ago which basically writes off the concept of pleasure seeking in all its form it's it's a it's a ancient that's why I've come back to this idea of one disease Mm. yeah one disease one
2: timeless disease zoomed in for me seems pretty Oh, yeah. like a good way to think about it um i'm curious michael what your journey has been like with money and how your views might have changed over time
0: can i come to that in just a second i just yeah, wanted, want to tell you maybe i've never sh- shared this story with you but hmm. you know in september i went to lao Yep. Mm. to talk at a pro bono this conference. This is a good story. That's yeah. the one I'm thinking of. And yeah. to catch up with a, a young student there who mm. was just starting his law career. And um, um, before the conference, he and I went up to Luang Prabang and had a lovely time. Um, we're wandering through this beautiful national park which was cascading waterfalls. And I'm looking at the most magnificent, trees and rapids and in the middle of it all there were a number of sensational flowers like those waxy red things and tony stopped and he said michael can you explain something to me i said if i can tony he said why do westerners grow flowers and i said why do westerners grow flowers i said Why do you ask me that? And he said, well, if they've got good arable land, why wouldn't they grow food? Now I know enough about his life story to understand what he went through. And he also pointed out to me trees that he and his sister and their family had used for food when he was young, eating leaves as part of something else that was prepared for an evening meal, that sort of thing. But I think I at the end of it said something typical funny and Westy like flowers are the food of the heart. (laughs) But every now and then it gets put into a context for us doesn't it? it? Gets put into a context. It's like coming home from Europe in early 2008 stopped off in cambodia for the first time to have a look at cm reap and ankle and there was no global financial crisis where i was <laughs> just
1: didn't exist you know too many kids on the street wearing nothing can you, can you tell the story as well about was it the trip before september where well, okay did you go to phantom of what? no you met the i think you met people from india who were talking about our obsession with no, this was only...
0: This was halfway through last year when when I was in... Co- yeah. At the end... Of, uh, where are we? Was it this year? Or Were you in Thailand? This year? I was in I was in Koh You connected Sama me with Thailand, someone in Thailand and that was... And I hilarious. Met, I sweet. met two brothers and the wife of one of them who belonged to the Jainists, which is, I think, a six thousand year old religious group. And their family have been in the production of cloth, linen, and cotton for about four or 500 years, living in the same area of northern India. And they asked me some amazing questions like, why do Westerners shift out of their homes? Why do they want to buy their own homes? it seems to us that that's just a burden that they take on that's just not necessary because you know we've been living with our families and our cousins and our aunts and uncles for 300 years (laughs) and why do westerners have this notion of individual ownership of money like we've come on this holiday and we didn't have to provide the money the family provides the money. And why do Westerners think that they're better placed to choose a good wife than their parents are? Because, you know, this community, our parents know it better than we do, and they know everyone in it, and etc. Cetera, it et cetera, just went on and on. There are probably two or three more examples, if I could probably think of them as well. And even the sort of work they do, all of that sort of stuff, was just an an entirely, you know, the concept that you would actually put your elderly relatives in a nursing home was just anathema. You don't do that. They're yours, you care for them. Cradle to grave. It's the way life's, for them, supposed to be.
1: Was another one I think maybe it was the other gentleman you met who their family business I don't know if it was a cloth but they they take this like family responsibility for the community I think you uh, if I I remember correctly, same same ones where they have the factory whatever and they're providing jobs jobs for people in the community and they feel responsible for them and that responsibility stays within the family correct and uh, correct it's yeah
0: it's it's like we used to say about COVID, and I think we've forgotten this lesson too quickly. Until everyone's safe, no one's safe. Right? Can we just get back to that? What's in the common good? Right? This is what you know. We've we've captured this notion, or we've been dominated by this notion of individual rights. You know, I have the right to X, Y, Z. But what's the good of that right if it really shakes up the community in which we live. The 2 it that's got to be the end again. Mm. I've got to be prepared to subvert or subdue some of my individuality for the common good. And we just, I think we've lost a bit of that along the way. Now, coming back to your question about money, um, I suspect there may have been a time, or there may have been times, when I was a tad seduced by it, it it was not a big thing. I can remember my parents were of the depression era, and they had a depression mentality. My father was kicked out of his home at 13 years of age and had a swag, and at 13, 14, 15 was a assistant to the cooks in shearers quarters all over southern and western new south wales so they had a real thing about indebtedness which rubbed off on me i hated ever being in debt and i had a great passion for seeing my family financially secure um spending money has Never been something I'm at all interested in. I don't have a passion for cars or clothes or anything of that sort. I love travel, but again, I'm not stupid about travel, although I might be about to be.
1: <laughs> As is your right. <laughs>
0: little, little thing at the moment that I must say has got me challenged in the head, but I think I might succumb to it, um, only because I'm a bit too lazy to do much about it. But... Um, What I learnt very on loop was that financial security slash money, for me, was the outcome of some really, really good stuff, like ending up in a wonderful law firm, ending up with some great clients who became my closest friends, ending up with more work than I ever needed to do, and being remunerated at rates that were just mind-blowing. You know, I, I can remember having a debate with two of my friends' partners in the firm some years ago, saying to them, solicitors' hourly rates will never exceed $100. Like, I mean, you can't get a plumber for $100 an hour today. You, you it's know, true. who charges less than $100 an hour a day except lots do of course because we don't respect a lot of the work that so many important people do particularly in those areas where the love plays such a huge role that's a bit of a worry for society isn't it?
1: The ones who love best we remunerate least in saying that I'd go to something you've said many times, which is maybe again it's it's a view I share, but maybe again just it's not. Maybe it's hard to start out that way, and you're in a position to do so. But the gift of not being paid. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm. Look, it's it, you mean the gift of not being paid money? Yeah, right. Yeah, right. <laughs> That's what I meant. Now, yeah. A lot of the best stuff we do with our lives results in the receipt of the best stuff we ever get (laughs) yeah to be appreciated for who you are to feel the appreciation of other people not getting your ego carried away or that sort of thing but just that little bit of appropriate recognition for what you've done for somebody. And I think that's fine. I'm not so stupid as to say every sort of emotional reaction of that sort is the ego gone mad. It's mm. not. Mm. We're human True. beings. True. And we, we look at times for that sort of stuff. And we need it to carry us along, don't we? It's part of that walking down the pathway. It's our journey. If we were kicked in the guts all the time and not loved not appreciated yeah you'd end up worse than job in his famous book you know you would you wouldn't want to keep trying it because you think to yourself what's the point of this nobody nobody gives a damn anymore and I sort of do appreciate that there are some people who find themselves in those circumstances and I think they're real saints because how they keep going I just don't know you, know, you think of third world people who you know, have walked across the top of africa to try and find a new life in europe and maybe the rest of their family drowned in the mediterranean as they're trying to get across yeah you know, there the, we we live in australia and and there is so much of the reality of the world the life that we we just don't get we just don't get it but so much of yeah you know, real human living comes down to not what we receive into the pocket but what we receive back into our hearts that's what keeps us going that's the stimulus that's where you get the real rewards
1: the trick because it's a tricky idea i've and i had a conversation with someone else this morning around this who i think is navigating how they think about the tr- the maybe it looks like a trade-off I don't know if you echo this if either of you echo this but my experience so far tells me that pursuing the real things in life often looks like a trade-off but is anything but and the asymmetry to which some people are rewarded financially versus others who do things of a more loving vocation maybe uh or you know non yeah uh and not rewarded in such a way um i I don't know my experience observation is that normally the 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 money stuff follows a lot of tangible value more than any other thing any other factor it's things that can be you know if i can i'm very happy to put ten thousand dollars into something that will definitely give me a hundred thousand dollars back yeah, you know, but if it's unclear what, how I will get that value back, I have to think more about where I put the maybe the 10 grand. And sometimes it just works that way. But in saying that, is it the Beach Boys or who's the all you need is love. all you
3: need is love. Da, 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 da. It's
1: it's uh, it's like when we say on a lang- on a level of language, it's like when you talk about the now and without <laughs> You know what I mean that it sounds very sounds like a luxury. Mm. All you need is love. Sound mm. doesn't sound believable. Yeah. But that's just the trick. When you are experiencing it, everything else ceases to feel as relevant. And you don't have there are still realities about I don't know how I'm going to pay for this or I don't know my long-term financial future and everything like that and without those realities ceasing to without them disintegrating just cuz you feel great or you feel loved or you're loving other people without that actually going away i find that faith just injects itself there and mm. fills that space and a knowing beyond knowing that everything is okay and that's the trick mm. there's a lot of situations i've seen you respond to people who are show Incredible gratitude to, you. Um, and think, and and I think, uh, and I think this is something you already touched on, but maybe you can go more into. Um, and I feel like the perspective is that you are giving up something, and being very generous of some resource, probably your time, that you then give to other people, sometimes in in places of desperation or in neediness or confusion, and it's seen as a a very a one sided act from you to them, and often, I think you clarify for people that there is much going back in the other direction that they could never imagine. And I've heard you use the term "field hospital" mm. and stuff like that, mm. but I suspect it's all that stuff. And I don't know how many people get to experience that.
0: You see, there's one dimension of that which I've probably not shared with you, and something i've been thinking about a lot more recently is how you know we often talk about how unique we all are right if every, every, everybody's a bit different and you know in one sense to the whole of the universe and the movement of creation um, our death
1: goes without notice <laughs> but in another sense yours maybe <laughs> thank you <laughs> Not mine, surely. Uh, in another sense, no <laughs> death
0: goes without notice. And I think part of what I've come to appreciate, and more and more significantly, and I can give you some really boring examples of it, is that you get I've got to a stage in my life where I have an understanding of... Of what I can do for others. It's sort of, without getting carried away by it, it's mm. how I, with my giftedness, can help people. And what greater gift can somebody else give you than an opportunity to use your giftedness? to say to you, you have relevance. You here with me at this point in our joint lives, what you are able to do, your giftedness has relevance. It has importance. It can help somebody. Like I think that's a mind blowing for me realization. So, sure, there may be somebody who is getting some of my time or my questionable wisdom or experience. (laughs) And if they want to listen, you know, all care and no responsibility. But, um, you know, it's, it's a wow moment for me. It really is a wow moment. And if you guys, as you get older, just carry those thoughts along and come to, like, I can write. I can draft words. I can draft powerful words, clear words. I can listen to somebody, and I can understand what they're saying, and I can convert that into a piece of paper for them, or a submission, or whatever it turns out to be. I can go with them to meet somebody, and help them in the way they present for something. Like when I was volunteering at the Uniting Church in Newtown, there were a couple of um, people there who used to have trouble with one of the local bank managers and I could go with them to the bank and it would be over in 30 seconds because I would just explain mm. what the position was and suddenly they could access their accounts again and all of that sort of thing and i wouldn't think that was a big deal but for somebody our ordinariness our normalness our everyday selves it's a big deal for them it's a big deal because you're the only access that they're gonna have at this point in their lives to that gift which may be very crucial for the living of their lives at that time, yeah, you know, for a restoration of some joy and some peace, that sort of thing. And that's why we must never underestimate what we can do. It's like I've, I've said before, growing up as a lawyer, you know, I, I learned to have conversations and present and listen and interview and write and do all of those things. But All of that stuff isn't limited to being a bloody partner in a law firm. You know, it's the stuff of living in community with humanity. That's how we connect with one another, right? And then other people come along to my life with their giftedness, do exactly the same. So maybe Joey, when you talk about trade-offs, we should be more focused on the trade-offs of our individual giftedness where we can come together and share. It's sort of like an old-fashioned barter system, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Remember, we used to use barter thing. And it's a simpler right? one. Very simple. And it's not the stuff of artificial intelligence. It's the stuff of human <laughs> love, right? And it's the stuff of knowing that I didn't invent any of this for myself. Every bit of it was gifted to me as it was to you and you. And for a purpose, it's like a trustee. We're given this stuff for the benefit of ourselves, yep, and others. Ourselves and others. I need to look after myself. I need to look after you in the way I've been gifted to do. And likewise. And I know here at 75 years of age that you are generous with your gifts towards me in exactly the same way. Sitting here, like, how many old men at 75 years of age at 1.15pm on a Saturday afternoon are sitting at home in isolation, having had a sandwich of some sort, having not spoken to another human being all day and won't speak to another human being today, right? Will turn on the television at some stage or read a newspaper, but absent other human contact, let alone human contact from two delightful young people. What a gift that is, eh? What a gift that is. And maybe when you're 75, you'll, or well, maybe a bit younger, you'll come. Come to see the way all of this can work so beautifully for humanity if only we could be this way towards each other on a universal scale you wouldn't have the bloody Russians in the Ukraine
3: <laughs> they'd be loving
0: each other right that's that's the reality of it that's for me it's
1: a reality of it it's well, very well said I want to um I actually want to ask Luke it's dangerous yeah, I know. <laughs> I my heart races every time the thought comes into my <laughs> head. But uh, I, this is a great time for someone else. See, and I'll I'll obviously try to help. Just to summarise, if it hasn't come across, what's different about this man compared to a lot of others who would be? Sometimes in a we call it a mentoring capacity or a sharing experiences capacity, or a giving it of some often a giving advice capacity, or maybe lack thereof. Um, what are some of the differences you've noticed? Mm. What, what sticks question. out? What sticks out? You won't cover everything. No. Well, it was so actually surrender to that. But what is something to stick out?
2: I had a question that I queued, which okay, was going to be. But it actually ties into it so one thing that sticks out which i pointed out in the process we went through with the um the synod recently is non-judgment and listening and even even when it's now revealed to me that you might not have agreed with certain things a while ago that i certain views maybe or maybe i'm putting I'm getting ahead of myself but you, you never you never judged you would just listen and subsequently a lot of those views have changed and then the natural the natural reaction would have been to say hang on a minute that doesn't doesn't quite make sense it's why you believe in that that's like i know this you know um but but in my experience whenever I've done that to somebody, and I've done it way too many times and I probably will continue to do that, but it causes a, a very particular reaction where people it puts people on the back foot and it also signals you're not listening. Or you don't... Is it, maybe a lack of respect is probably too harsh, maybe, but it's it signals, you know, I don't... There's no... There's no mutual exchange going on it's me judging you so I guess I never really felt that speaking of Michael and it comes around to my question which is why when did you learn or why do you not judge in that way I we've talked about this but I think it's one thing I've noticed and it seems to me one of the hardest things and I get so much more peace when I surrender and sort of let things be. And mm. it, it's, it's my, I, I feel like we just want to control things sometimes, especially when we believe that we're correct in certain circumstances. So.
0: I think it's a critical part of the journey. Mm. Um, I still judge. And I, catch myself judging and i don't like it yes and i have to back off and sometimes i apologize yeah um because i think it's a part of the normal human condition Mm. it's i think it's born of difference if somebody behaves or says something that is contrary to what the core of you thinks then I think one of our almost instantaneous reactions is to judge them. Um, I think I became aware of this probably, so much happened after I retired from the partnership, but probably 10 to 15 years ago. Mm. And I now say with a little bit of theological tongue in my cheek, One of the greatest gifts God gave me was the realisation that I wasn't put on this earth to judge. (laughs) Judgment's above my pay grade. (laughs) (laughs) Well and truly. And a very good friend of mine would say that not even God should judge. Mm. You know, I used to say many years ago when marriages broke up that only two people ever really know what goes on inside of marriage, and even that's doubtful <laughs> because you know the tensions we we don't know enough about other people ever to judge them mm-hmm. so that's a point in response, Luke to what you say. Another point of course, is and this comes out of the synod and other things and I think it's a real challenge for society today. And Joey, you know this only too well from where you started. Mm-hmm. Learning comes from the most unanticipated sources. Right? Mm-hmm. If we just listen to other people, you know, we experience you know, listening is of experience. And I often, you know, when I talk to my students about listening, I say you can you can listen to answer or you can listen to understand. Mm-hmm. And we all know what that means. We all know how we can listen at times and we engage our mouths before the other person's <laughs> even stopped talking, you know, yeah. so much for our listening. But if we really do sit there in a... You know, and you guys have both had Jesuit educations. If we sit there listening in a discerning way, and even when the other person has stopped talking, to just stay with it for a while, yeah, you know, stuff dawns on us. Mm. Yeah, you know, I could start talking again about my theology of the dawn, um, you know, the rising of the sun, all of that. But yeah, you know, if we would just listen to other people with open hearts and minds and really non-judgmentally try to understand what they're talking about. What are they on about? What's their life experience that they are now generously sharing with me? And it doesn't matter what their age is. You know, I had two of my granddaughters just into teenage with me the other night for a nice little meal up at Tyfusion after they'd helped me with the stuff here and I listened to them and they come out with stuff and I think to myself, wow, where did that come from? (laughs) Isn't that a great way to look at that, right? And because of everyone's uniqueness, not just with their giftedness but with their life's experience they are capable of generously sharing stuff with all of us that feeds into who we are. That's the interconnectedness. I'm reading a book by a female theologian at the moment, Ilia Delio, The Hours of the Universe, and she does an awful lot about uh, Teha de So I've been reading chapters again about the new sphere the fact that yeah we are on this development where there's a convergence of our mindfulness that yeah when we think of where do thoughts come from how do we share thoughts is there this great repository somewhere in the whole of the universe (laughs) where it's all stored is that really god is that what it's all about i don't know but it 's fabulous to read about where does coincidence? How do two people say the same thing at the same time? How do people on opposite parts of the world, maybe they 're twins, think about the same How do they feel the same thing at the same time? How does all this happen i don 't know wonderful <laughs> wouldn 't be dead for Quint <laughs>
1: <laughs> i don 't know if you want to go into that. And the concept of, you know, I'll share again from my story of my relationship with you. Yep. It was in this room. I think probably, probably would have been 2020. Yep. We used to have the Thursday nights for Nick and Scott and often JK would be here and taking up the armchairs or... Yep. And talking about religion. Yep. And spirituality. And where... We were all, including you, individually at with the concept of God or a godlike thing. Yep. Of, if it's the Catholic Church or any other religious institution or belief system. And it was, I'd say it was in this room where I thought about it a bit more. And thought about that I was a... Uh, Catholic or a Christian, certainly by habit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this, is how, this is how I'd put it.
0: A bit like a male by habit.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. Yeah. <laughs> and just a little, um you know, an actor. Reading the lines. Performer. Yeah. And um, you know, even acting as a discipline. Is everything to do with empathy and nothing to do with a focus on what things look like Mm -hmm. how things look on outside on the outside is a result not the actual direct focus Hmm. there's a very interesting maybe lens for understanding religion or subscribing to any belief system even a career ideas about career and money and everything else we discussed but it, it was here that I mentally you know kind of oh sorry consciously went away from the concept of yeah I'm not so sure about all that stuff I've been going and ticking the boxes and ticking all the boxes that you meant to tick whilst I don't feel engaged with it and I didn't see the point in faking engagement with it apart from trying to please other people and uh, but even with our conversations and a lot of other things, I've personally come almost around with that to appreciate, you know, I don't know, you can call it interconnectedness. Or you can call it, you know, as in I know, that biography about Einstein that also gave to you oh, and the, the Spinoza's you, God but. and all that. It yeah, wasn't that great. Yep. The Spinoza's God and all that sort of stuff. And, and the linking of what all these belief systems seem to have in common and what is also found in science. And the good part of science and the good questioning um that's just a fascinating it's just a fascinating thing happening in the world right now
0: it's very basic um i like the way you finished off joe with all of the ands because it is all the ands it's the elimination of the oars Mm. or keep one and throw away everything else, (laughs) right? It's all the ands. Um, For me, it starts, well, there are so many important themes, and I think one of the most important for us is that saying, this above all else, unto thine own self be true. And so hard it is just so hard and for your generations in particular and for my generation in particular and for very very different reasons yeah there was so much discrimination and hatred in my generation of particular people Mm -hmm. and in your generation It's almost demanded of you that you live your lives publicly. So how do you be true to yourselves and avoid the embarrassments? How do you do that? Where do you find the courage and the guts to do it? One place of course to start is with our beliefs and to be prepared to speak out. You know we we talk, you know you were specifically on religion and if yeah, you know, the most important thing to be proud of is your doubts, right? That's what. F- if there were no doubts, there'd be no faith, my friend. Yeah. <laughs> doubts are create. Doubts create faith, right? <laughs> right. That's it.
1: No light without dark, kind of concept.
0: Correct. Yeah, <laughs> Mother Teresa
1: or Saint Teresa now of Calcutta.
0: Yeah, spent half of her life, more than a half. She said wondering if God really existed. That's fair enough. Yeah, we're human beings. How much knowledge do we really think we've got? How much do we, if we just think about this incredible pace at which knowledge explodes through science and everything else, by the time you guys are 75, what will you think of the state of your knowledge when you were 28? You'll sit there and think to yourself, how could we have believed that (laughs) crap? How could we have believed that crap? It was just so crazy, but we were conned by it all because we knew no better, right? We were intelligent. We did our best, but there was not then the circumstances where we would know other. What are
2: you trying to
1: say, Michael? (laughs) Remind me of... uh...
2: Reading about Seneca
1: and like he only had one or two slaves.
2: Yeah, that was fun. Yeah, just, it's like that correct. was yeah. What are you, you know, what are you that was a modest thing to do at the time. Yeah, <laughs> and
1: maybe he was really good to his slaves. Yeah. Maybe they weren't. I don't like. I don't know.
2: But. Oh, the earth's flat.
0: Yeah. Right? <laughs> looks flat. The sun goes around the earth. Yeah. <laughs> all of those. All of those things, which. People were executed for by the church. Yeah,
1: there are lots of people who still believe the world's flat. You know that, right? And for them, it is. I think. (laughs) (laughs) For me, it's round. Absolutely. Until I look back in forty years and think, why did I believe that?
0: Absolutely. But the the you know you can in those circumstances, Joe, then start to explore. I think, the very important things because. You are freed up to do so, aren't you? When you can start, not necessarily totally walking away from stuff you used to believe in, yep. but see some of it for what it truly is. Uh, yeah, you can, not being judgmental. You can say, look, if I've got a great grandmother who still believes in, you know, every miracle that there ever was allegedly, then. I love her for that she's happy it makes her the person she is but my experience is different right Mm. i'm walking a different path i'm seeing things differently you know i may have been raised in a culture or even a family that said women were second-class citizens that gave a male dominance and at times cruel dominance. Once I've got the courage, I can speak out against it. When I hear, you know, aboriginals being referred to derisively by my mates or in a pub conversation or wherever, will I eventually get to the point where every single time I can say, stop, this isn't right. This is not right. This isn't the way to speak. When I hear people who may be of a different sexual preference being spoken of cruelly. Can I think back to the wonderful school I went to, which became famous for a period of time for a speech that a young man once gave. And how proud did I feel when I knew it was my school that had facilitated that opportunity for that young man. And the headlines went round the world. Once you can get to that point with something as important as your belief in some sort of almighty, then you're on the way to living out those other values that are just so important to you. And they're not easy to live out, are they? It's bloody tough at times with our mates. To call them out when they're not behaving correctly. Yeah, you know, People still make comments about women or other people and and you know, instantly people laugh and you think to yourself I really don't want to laugh but can I avoid going along with my mates? Like this brave young man here who you know, had to explain to people that alcohol at the moment, it's not his thing. I don't need it. Yeah, you know, don't put me under pressure because I've been there and I don't want to go back there. Right? That's guts. Right? That's real guts. And I'm sure that Luke will, on many occasions in his future life, have to fight that fight over and over again because you always come across people who just want to have that little dig, don't they? They want to be a bit <laughs> smart about stuff. You with me?
1: Yeah. Right? You with me? Yep. Always with you.
0: And that's, that's the good thing about those conversations that we used to have in this room. And I'll say something else about that in a minute, but you know, it starts to with awareness and awareness was a big part of it to start with. Prior to that, of course, we had the educational conversations up at Coolback, where we talked about the value of experience as an educator. Possibly more valuable than school education. My own view, which I'll now share with you, is um, not to be compared. The two walk hand in hand. Right? They're both important. It's the and word. And the experience version of education is not enhanced in any way or made more significant by a put-down of formal education. doesn't have to be. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, you know, we're talking about the year Kathy died. We're talking about the year when I could have spent an awful lot of time in solitary, and you didn't permit me to do so. <laughs> you put something joyful back into my life at a time which could have been largely devoid of joy. And whether you had any understanding of that or not, I'm not sure. But they were highlights. They really were highlights that were totally unexpected and very generous. Very generous.
1: It was totally selfish. We just wanted to come.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I don't think you're capable of selfishness. (laughs) Time will tell. (laughs) No, I'm telling you. (laughs) 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 <laughs> <laughs>
3: yes, <Yeah. laughs> i know they were they were, they were wonderful i remember
1: to. i remember something you said shortly after so for context i'll just give the uh, the gilly glossary there's some buzz there were some words there cool mac is the local cafe They're about a two-minute walk from where we sit now mm. And cool mac university is obviously the, as it's affectionately called cause there's been a lot of unstructured enlightening conversations happen around there much to the pain of the coffee owner uh, the coffee shop owner eugene <laughs> who probably could use the table for <laughs> people who pay more um and order more but um you know and you have always if you sit there with with gilly it's delightful and annoying because every two seconds is an interruption to conversation and a big wave <laughs> hello so-and-so hello so-and-so and you seem to know everyone that walks past It's uh, not
0: an interruption, Joey. I know. know, know. It's not an interruption.
1: I know. (laughs) It's it's part of our interconnectedness. (laughs) Good amendment. Good amendment. Absolutely. But I remember um, we were here once. It was very shortly after Kathy had passed away, so it was just shy of your fiftieth anniversary. Yep. I remember, and you're reflecting on how people were asking you if you were okay. And I remember this is just my recollection so tell me if I'm off um, people are asking if you okay and you felt really guilty if you said anything other than I'm I'm terrible and the no. other thing I remember you sharing people asked how can you stand to be in the house
3: mm.
1: given you now I live here alone mm. quote-unquote mm. and I remember you saying I'll never forget it You said Joe I can't go anywhere but here. Absolutely, this is the this is the life we built. Correct. And I'm having dinner with someone, so that neighbor tomorrow, and the other neighbor on Friday and Saturday. My grandson's coming over, and blah blah blah. And one other thing, one of the many things that's always struck me about you. One, a lot of people would call that positive thinking. Um, I don't know if it's necessarily positive thinking. Maybe it's reality secondly you've seen it's quite an anomaly in my experience for people who have built a very strong sense of community in affluent parts of the world it's not commonly my experience to see that hmm. you very much have that here hmm. we do
0: we do and um uh... I think, again, it comes from um, connecting with the better part of humanity. Um, we don't... They're talking about our motor vehicles or <laughs> where we've purchased our jewellery from or that sort of stuff. We we do talk about nice places we've visited and that sort of thing. but. Most of the conversation is about just our, our life usually on that day. It's, it's, it's absolutely living in the present. Um, look, I, I, we could speak an awful lot about what I touched upon a little while ago, namely that um, I'm beginning to understand how there can be life after death and i said that i have a real doubt now that there is the sort of death that we were introduced to as kids you know, i have i understand heaven i understand hell if if there's a different version of it to the one that we have experienced as we've lived then that's a part of the mystery going forward. Um, I can tell you that um, a relationship like a marriage, mine with Cathy, there is an immediate and terrible jolt around grief and that sort of thing. But there is also a realisation that life goes on and it's not just my life it's the life that i have lived with her for so long and you continue to have the conversations they're real conversations we don't seem to argue as much as we used to (laughs) which is a benefit
1: even about you stealing her chair
0: All of that. I'm hoping she hasn't noticed that I'm sitting in her chair. Maybe this is giving the game away.
1: Shouldn't have said it. And,
0: uh, you know, with some of the stuff some of my kids have been through in recent times, I've sat here usually in the evening and thought to myself, you're a bugger for not being here. You know, I've got this to myself now, but in another way, I'm sort of happy she wasn't. I'm not sure it would have been. Good for her. She would have been marvellous for the kids because she's non-judgmental and she was just always there with them as a world expert standard mother. Mm. Um, But yeah, it it, it is our home, right? It is what we created. It is of us, right? That's and. I think faith does play a pretty important role in all of that. And, you know, when I talk to a lot of my friends, my companions, my community at the church, there are a lot of people there who have lost their spouses in the last 10 or 15 years. And I see within them very loving people who continue to live their lives in a very positive way. Yeah, you know, none of them would ever say life's not worth living now that X is gone. It's, it's just a crazy thing I think to even think about. But I do understand those who think that way. And you know, I know there are some people who die shortly after their partner yep. has died. Very because, common. You know, I know lots of people. Like it's just just the way it is. Your parents? My parents died within a month of each other. Mm. Yeah. So, don't know who that was. Who's that um, noise, by the way? Who's
1: eh? a... Someone doing gardening. Oh, okay. Is There's Something there? happening out there. Someone. Yes. Background noise. We will eliminate. Uh, yeah, <laughs> we'll be all good. We'll be all good. <laughs> um, if we if we have one more chapter, if it's so, I'd love to Go. capture and reflect on the genesis of uh, this, and I'd love to hear. I'd love to capture in here your recollection obviously the story is I obviously met you before Luke and Luke is a good friend of mine just like Scott and all these other guys I went to school with who've now gotten to know you become very important part of each other's lives and so forth but I'd love to recapture um, from your perspective meeting Nick at first and then some of the rest of us and some of the Nepal the little Nepal chapter that kicked this off It'd be beautiful, Absolutely, capture, if, you're, if you're willing.
0: Yeah, well... I remember? This is like being interviewed by a lawyer, isn't it? It's sort of, to the best of your recollection, can you just take us back to the events and you know, tell us how it all <laughs> unfolded? Well, <laughs> I think it started with a telephone call from our friend Michael Payton. Michael, at the time, was the youth and music minister at our parish here and he was a Aloysius old boy, I think he rang me up and he said I've got a friend who's in need of some legal advice and then he told me a bit about Nick's story setting up from the ground up in Nepal and issues around setting up a charity and having a company limited by guarantee and all of that sort of stuff. and I think that was my first serious conversation that led into these relationships. Um, Shortly thereafter, we were talking about fundraising. And I have an absolutely wonderful recollection of our barbecue in the backyard here, where um, There were four of you, including... Paddy. Paddy, Scott, Nick, Joey and Paddy. And I dragged along a few of my friends. Um, And I think uh, as a result of that, one afternoon we raised enough money to sort of build a modest sized school, uh, which led my friend Paul McClintock to remark on another occasion Having Michael Gill as a friend can be a very expensive thing <laughs> <laughs> sorry Paul if you're watching this uh, <laughs> but um, oh, Billy King was involved and mm. Humphrey Nolan from the parish mm. and all of that went mm. on and you know what um, then was very much in focus was the on-the-ground work in Nepal through from the, the ground up um, now, as we were talking initially about the legal aspects and fundraising, we were, fun- yeah, we were there. At- we were there at Cool Mac, and it- I don't know how many mornings a week we used to catch up, but it seemed to me there were lots of mornings when we were up there quite early. And before I knew it, Joey had introduced into the conversation the notion of non-formal education he had a big and I must say this was my first introduction to that sort of thinking even though in other ways uh, some of my thinking had been proximate so we were talking seriously about you know experience and that sort of thing Um, somewhere along that path we realized that sitting at the end of the table was a Another young man whose nose was in mathematics books and as we talked I could perceive that he was listening but didn't join in until on one occasion I said to Jonathan Kim, what do you think about that? And he answered immediately. So he was, then and we introduced ourselves and he became part of the group as it were. Um, and then I was just blown away by Joey's um, energy and focus particularly around you know the holding of that retreat down Wollongong way and the mm. the thinking about the book 18 and lost and i think i said to him on one occasion you know i have over my years in practice and otherwise gone to so many retreats for a weekend where there have been agendas and you get to the sunday afternoon and Everybody is in you know enthusiastic spirit to go back to the office and turn into reality all of these good ideas that had been touched upon and usually nothing happened. <laughs> and I don't think that the world of business has changed much. In that a lot of meetings. But Joey came up with this idea of a book everybody writing their chapter and the book has emerged again for me in the last four days
1: do you know about this where am i i think so okay where am i I'll make sure i acknowledge scott probably had the first idea though yes yeah, for the book but good <laughs> credit with scott <pretty> <laughs> i'm sorry
0: i withdraw the accolade to no, my no, left and too <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah oh,
1: he had the yeah, first idea it. i'm just giving him his juice. So, my
0: grandson (laughs) Nick wants to talk to Scott because he sees Scott as somebody who has done something amazing with his life. And Nick is in that space, having just done his HSC. And Scott's going to catch up with Nick. But he said, Michael, encourage your grandson to read my chapter of the book before he sits down and talks to me. Well, I'll encourage Nick to read the whole book, but if I can get him to do Scotch chapter, I think I will have kicked a goal. <laughs> so, um read the book. I was blown away by the book. I just thought it was fantastic the way mm-hmm. you encourage people to do that and you put it all together. I think I probably set a personal record, if not a world record, in the number of number of books I purchased.
1: I think I purchased one hundred. <laughs> we had a Zoom call? I think in Uganda because it was locked down. You go, Joe, going to need some copies. I go, yeah, that's all right. I can get them direct. You know, direct. You go through the website, or whatever. I go, How many do you need? I remember you just looked up to the left, you're counting. A hundred.
0: <laughs> and I gave them all away. They went yeah, everywhere. They went. They <laughs> went like wildfire. Everywhere, all around here, <laughs> into the schools. And I, I still have teachers from Loretto or Alice or even parents who say, oh, remember you gave me a copy of that book? That was fantastic. So I don't know what impact the book ultimately will have. No doubt it's a bit early. But in the fullness of time, we'll, we'll see it. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. we went through all of those conversations. And then out of that, of course, emerged Constant Student. And I have to say for you that I thought the Sunday nights were fantastic. Mm -hmm. And that format that we found for the Sunday nights was just colossal. It was so relaxed. It was so easy. I don't think anyone really felt under pressure. I think looking back on it, what we achieved was a sense of ownership of the process. I think everyone who was involved in those conversations was so relaxed and calm about their contributions But I sensed that within them they, they owned what was going on. And that's a great thing to achieve. I think that's what the church is going to have to try and achieve with the synod. I don't think we're going to kick those goals until everybody in this thing we call the Catholic Church has a sense of ownership. Has a sense of ownership. And I think that's important if we went back to it because of the unique giftedness of everybody. We've all, we're all vested with these gifts. They're all important. Yeah, you know, it's not doctors of theology who should be saying what needs to be said. It's the lived experience of what we call the people of God, and really, that's that's really what you were doing in your own way, perhaps largely devoid of the theological side. We, 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 we. So, um, but yeah. You know, you guys just and and uh, the minds were so open Joe
1: there's some good ones right the minds were the
0: hearts were
1: open Mm.
0: yeah you as a group as a community as companions you showed very little sign of fear but bluntly when you gave me the opportunity to walk with you as individuals you had fear which you were able to very well deal with in community there was a great strength coming out of community which meant that your individual challenges didn't didn't get in the way to the point where they sort of defeated what you were on about i think that's so important because fear is a part of life It's how how we deal with it that's the crucial thing it's like it's like the way of the cross it's not not the falling down that's got to be avoided it's the getting up that we've got to learn right for the whole of our lives we're gonna fall right it's what life is but it's the getting up stuff and you know you guys have been remarkably good at that i know even for you that constant student journey was always a challenge You know, you were going into the unknown. You had plans about stuff that may have gone differently, but didn't. But in that, there was a learning experience. In that were the traces of something that you have carried forward as part of yourself. In not only what you are doing now, but how you do it. You've learned a bit about what works and what doesn't work. You've learned an awful lot about listening. And none of it is a failure or a defeat, not one skin tiller of it.
1: That's a great word. <laughs> I don't know that word. <laughs> that might be my biggest takeaway from today. But thank you. That's a very mm, great reflection. thank you. And I see it the same way.
0: Mm.
1: I really do. Cheers.
0: It it's why well, these occasions mm-hmm. are just so joyful. They're joyful. Now, um, how much time? Uh, we're, it's almost two o'clock. Do you think we're close to a wrap, or? I'm
1: I'm, I'm happy to, to be close to a wrap. As I'm on, happy to be, be close YouTube to a wrap. Are, I was yep. about to ask Luke yeah. what other if he had any other thoughts. in around, think in and around gilliness, uh, <laughs> or not to be confused with silliness, rhymes. that's good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, things you either want to point out. The burning question.
0: Yeah, Luke was responsible for one of the very, very best occasions that I've had in this context. You know what it was? Oh, that's good. <laughs> no. Sitting with his mum and Luke oh, at yeah. Cool Max, <laughs> to see them communicating in the most <laughs> open and loving way was just a joy for my heart. I can't begin to tell you how good it was. And I don't know what was going on within their heads, but I could feel it on my side of the table. Sure, love
2: it getting a fainted. shout out. It was, yeah. Love you, Mum. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was very joyful, that's for sure. It was. Um, and I could see what you
0: were learning about each other. Yes. <laughs>
2: I learned a lot that day. <laughs> I'm sure you did. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's conversation a conversation important Luke. it's yes. just so important it is it really is mm.
1: we have to end on just be don't we just be yeah so yeah. you don't have any other anything else you want to throw in or no. you don't have to i'm just giving you the opportunity no that's it charlie munger nothing further to add nothing further to add do you have anything further to no yeah, but it's really a lovely note to
0: finish on it's it's i just wish everyone could understand that they have the freedom
1: and the right to just be mm. do you remember what where that i first yeah. remember it about a uh, just over a year ago in and around calls you started saying that i don't know where there's that phrase first it it's scriptural came on your radar it may yeah? have
0: been it may have been something i'd been reading or came out of scripture reflections one weekend or something mm-hmm. but um um you know it came it it, it was a reduction it was of a course. reduction of course yeah you know, authenticity be yourself be aware they're all sort of verbs when we were little kids at school how was a verb explained to us what was a verb a doing doing word Mm -hmm. a verb is a doing word Mm -hmm. right we don't have to be doing we have permission to just be that at times is doing enough For many of us it's more than that. It's all we can do. There are times in our lives when we can't go beyond that and it's okay. We don't have to beat ourselves up. We don't have to stress about a to-do list or be personally critical because we're being lazy or something. It's Just sit, it's contemplate, it's go to the desert, it's solitude, it's meditation, it's reflection, it's all of those things. And we need that time out, I think, on a regular basis. And one of the great challenges of today is that there's so much in society that says you've got to be on the go all the time. You've got to be doing stuff. Where's that business plan? Hmm? Sorry, not today. Today (laughs) is my day to just be. I wish they'd bring back Sunday as the day of rest. Oh, yeah. We need rest (laughs) so badly. I think our failure to understand rest has meant that we've removed it from that range of remedies for healing. So much of healing is about rest, isn't it? to give our minds and our bodies an opportunity for
1: restoration. Have you ever heard Jim Carrey, a spirit, some, one of his spiritual teachers encountered, explained depression to him, reframed depression to him as, look at the word, depressed, deep rest. Yep. In many senses, it's a condition, it's beyond even what we class as an illness, that comes from the effort of projecting a self which is not super authentic and therefore not naturally mm. ensuing from you not you just being mm.
0: well mm. you can take it also straight back to the old testament which we know is entirely metaphorical and all of that but mm. it's got some good tips in it yeah after six days of frenetic activity yeah. god had to rest yeah right? <laughs> even god so why do we think not we me. can do better than that, <laughs> <hey>? <laughs> A day of rest is built into our bloody DNA, guys.
1: (laughs) God's up there going, well, you guys can work on Sunday, but I'm not.
0: Precisely. (laughs) Precisely. Time out. Time out. Come on. How are you going to restore that, you guys? We've stuffed you on that, haven't we, with the way we've... I don't even remember.
1: I used to call it my Sabbath day. You did? Didn't last long, though no but then it came back it's hard to hang and then on the it goes issue. and then yeah. sometimes every day is a sabbath and then up and down up and down but no mate thank you very much for your time thank you You're guys sharing. for your time thank it's you, very Michael. beautiful the just be line is very uh beautiful but it's a, as you say it's the ultimate reduction and it takes some time to it's, imbi- it's just language until you have yeah. tried everything else and it May or may, may or may not be a good title for a book that you may have consented to be made, which is, uh, there is an introduction slated, and uh, we used to sit here, and we used to see, people have said to you many times over the years, over the course of your lovely life, you should write a book. And I remember your response when it was raised here was, you know, oh, I'd love to, but I'm too busy living it. I'm too busy. I'd like to talk (laughs) I'd like to talk but the note I would love to finish on is just that you're very different in so many ways in one way it's the the lack of uh, often the lack of advice sometimes the specific advice where specific advice is not advisable but for most other people I think especially people in similar position to you would be just too easy to do. You very you listen first always and then you listen again, in my experience. Very non-prescriptive and like Luke said, non, non-judgmental. I've seen you bite your tongue here <laughs> so many times when a clangor has come out of one of our mouths. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and uh, you know, personally, it's very ironic uh, how you can undervalue we all i think so undervalue for example our parents as a source Mm. of wisdom and our grandparents and And it's so easy to just go through life that way Mm -hmm. i remember once you know i was listening to these two very well established thinkers you know with public reputation speak and i was walking around on the other side of the bridge i was thinking Oh, you know i have really good intentions myself and i really deserve to have access to people like that the cream of it you know because you know i'm trying to do good things and blah 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 yet you know they're somewhere else they don't know i exist and then i just caught myself going hang on joe you fucking idiot <laughs> sorry about that <laughs> <laughs> sorry i this is my this is my platform. but i remember thinking to myself the stupidity of it because just over the bridge you were sitting here or you're either sitting here or you're at cool Mac going about your day and I realized that I had s- someone in my life far more valuable than those two people with public with the widespread public recognition and all that and over the last especially last year I've seen that just as an influence, you you see, you know you're not everyone would love to see your book you know and everyone would love to see you doing various other things in terms of what you can offer people in the wisdom part of life, let's say, and all that. Maybe. Right? Maybe. Maybe. That's it. Keep it in check. <laughs> there you go. Hold it. Hold it. Um, but you do not seek, as far as long as I've known you, you do not seek what I see a lot of people seeking in terms of the well disguised, humble attention. There's, very, there's a lot of people who love, being on the mountain um giving everyone the advice and telling them how to live and telling them how to heal and and giving the answers and it and often looks very healthy and very practical but it's often not Hmm. and it's taken me a very long time to renew um to have a deeper and deeper appreciation for just how effortless the way you, you share your gifts with us how effortless and simple and and you're so happy for it to just be a small group of people in your company and you always appreciate whoever it was and in our group of friends it started with i think nick in particular mm-hmm. your relationship with nick and wonderful a human bloss- being a wonderful human being then blossomed to me and scott and yeah. jk and everyone else yeah and it's just that the approach you have for whatever reason is just it's it's so endearing to me it's it's i think such everything else can fall into place and there's beautiful things we can all do and writing and speaking and to bigger groups and all that but you have really exemplified that and i can't you know gloss over how rare that is mm. and how valuable it has been for us whether you meant it or not and i suspect you haven't
0: there are lots of people out there um exactly the uh, who do it very very well joey but the let me just say this though, and it, it's right up there with the understanding that we're not here to judge. I really enjoy giving people lots and lots of credit for what, they get, what they've achieved, what they've mm. done, even merely surviving. And that's, that's something that gives me a lot of pleasure to recognize them in that way. But at the end of the day, one of the second great revelation I have is that my giftedness is not of my own making, right? I didn't invent it, come on, right? (laughs) You didn't invent yours, but you're doing a fantastic job of making use of it, as is Luke. And And that's a version of planting the seeds right and I just wish more people could control their egos by living the realization that our giftedness is not of our own making it's not so you, know, you can be tempted to take credit for stuff <laughs> that's not really yours by all means take credit for being in the right place at the right, time. <laughs> right? But, you know, mate, so much, you know, we've covered it. So much yeah. good stuff flows back the other way. That it's almost embarrassing <laughs> to hear people talk like you do. <laughs> it's shit. I was just, you know, I've been so lucky. Yeah. The inner peace and joy which I feel. I just wish, just wish everyone could really understand it. I just wish everyone could understand it. Mm. It's what it's about, really. And
1: there we go. There we go. Is well, that a cut? That's a cut. I mean, I'll, I'll wrap. Thank you very much to Gilly. As I remember, Thanks the last me. that last line I think was very special. I remember you said it to me, and Nick, at the cafe just down there. We plant the seeds. We plant the seeds. <laughs> we plant the seeds. Oscar Romero and that's it that's plant it. the seeds thanks for helping yeah. us plant the seeds
0: we Can are you? prophets of a future not our own that's the other big one to get into our heads don't expect to see the outcomes of your goodness the outcome of your goodness will blossom somewhere else at some other time and not necessarily in your own family it's an interesting project <laughs> <lecture. laughs> yeah? yeah. scripture always, also says that uh, uh We're not recognized in our own families.
1: No one becomes a prophet in his own nation. Correct.
0: That's it. (laughs) That's it.